We're in Elijah, or we're in Kings actually, we're in the story of Elijah, Kings uh, 19, week 6, series Rise Up, hashtag time to rise up, you can catch up on everything so far at forward slash rise up, burlingtonbaptist.org.uk forward slash rise up. Elijah's gone to a hostile pagan king who was ruling his country, his nation, his people, and said to Ahab, the king, enough is enough. No more. This moral, spiritual decline, no more. This turning your back on the living God, no more. This worshipping this, that, and the other, no more. Uh, And he stood tall and strong. He looked the king straight in the eyes at the beginning of the story and said, no, enough's enough. It will not rain anymore in this land until you bow the knee to Yahweh, the Lord of heaven and earth. And so, fully strong and courageous in faith, he started this mega adventure challenging the king. Then Elijah was miraculously fed, you'll remember, by ravens in uh, the desert. Then he was miraculously provided for with a jar that would never run uh, dry. Elijah's the first person recorded uh, in the whole of the Bible to actually pray for someone who was dead and that dead person to come back uh, alive. Hannah Harper, I still haven't forgotten. We need to study that here when we uh, think about the way God uh, releases people from uh, spiritual death. And sometimes God releases people like Lazarus and like the, uh, the, the son of the widow of Nain and so on. And, and Elijah was the first guy in the Bible to do that. He prayed a bit unorthodox. He lay on top of him uh, and breathed God's life back into him. Then uh, he takes on the prophets at Mount Carmel, defeating all of them as we looked at a few weeks ago. Then he gets on his knees as we looked at last week and prays and prays seven times, holding on to God's promise until the rains eventually came. It's been one great act of faith after another. It's been an amazing story of what a person who truly believes that God can do it can achieve through God's Holy Spirit. It inspires us. It causes our faith to rise. It speaks to the, it can be done in the name of Jesus Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. So you imagine now Elijah is on top of the world. He looks back over these years of tremendous achievement of amazing things that God has done through him. And so we're surprised at verse 4 of chapter 19. And he comes to a broom bush, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. It's been too many good things going on in my life. Too many miracles. I've seen too much. I've had enough, Lord. Take my, take my life. I'm, I'm hopeless. My life's not even worth living. My, my life doesn't amount to anything. I'm no better than my ancestors. What, what's, where's our Elijah gone? Where's our hero? What's happened to him? Come on, you're the one that inspires us. Face the truth that we find here in the Scriptures that Elijah, the great man of God, is wanting to die. Depressed, disillusioned, despairing. And here are some initial thoughts. 
as we clear the ground to look at these verses this morning. You can be honest with others about how you feel. No, no, I can't. I I can't be honest with you about how I feel because how I feel is not how I'm supposed to feel. And it's worse as a Christian because I'm sure as a Christian I'm not supposed to feel like this and you know that I'm a Christian so I I can't tell you that I feel like this because Christians aren't supposed to feel like this and if I tell you that I feel like this even though you think that I'm a Christian you might not think I'm a Christian and and so it goes on and it gets worse and worse. I, I can't tell anyone about how I feel. Hello? Hello? Elijah? Hello? No, you're right. He was a rubbish Christian and a useless man of God and barely achieved anything worth writing down. Amen? Quite responsive this morning. Perky. You can be honest with others. You can be honest with yourself with yourself. You see, because typically we lie to ourselves. If you're full of doubt, you are tempted to lie to yourself and say, well, I must be a a rubbish Christian then. If you feel despair or you feel hopeless or afraid, then you, you lie to yourself and you say, hey, it must be me. That's not how I'm supposed to be as a Christian. This is, this, is, this is something wrong with me. This is my fault. And, and what goes on in your mind, the lie that goes on in your mind is like this. If only I trusted God when times were hard, like in a desert when there was no food and I needed to trust God to feed me, if I had done that, then I wouldn't be feeling like this. Or if I had prayed for that young man who had died and he came back to life, then I, I wouldn't be feeling like that now. If, if I had taken on the prophets of Baal, if I hadn't been so lacking in courage, if I'd really gone for it that day on Mount Carmel and I'd taken them on, and, and what if I'd won that day? Then I, I wouldn't be feeling like this. We need to bring truth and honesty. And we need to start challenging the agreements, and you've heard me say that several times over these last 12 months, maybe God's trying to tell us something, that so often bind us. You see, Elijah is in real danger here, and it's not the depression. It's not the doubt or whatever, however you wish to describe it. It's not the threat that caused him to feel like this either, that he's really in danger from. He's in danger of agreeing to something in his heart that is not true. Imagine Satan whispering in Elijah's ear. It's not that hard to imagine. You'll know what I'm talking about. Look at you, Elijah. (laughs) Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Man of God, who says so? You might have fooled those prophets, but you don't fool me. And you haven't fooled yourself. You know how you feel, Elijah. Look at the mess that you're in now. 
You don't even want to wake up tomorrow. Look how the mighty have fallen. You're no better, Elijah, than the generations of people, of idol worshippers that have gone before. You're no better than your ancestors. And so Elijah says in his heart, in that low moment of vulnerability, do you know, you're right. Look at me. I'm a mess. Look at me. Look at the way I feel today. Yeah, you're right. I'm no better than my ancestors. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Elijah's perspective is totally shot. It's madness. He's nurturing a total lie. Wouldn't you agree? You want to slap him. That's what they taught me at Bible college, but I've adjusted the technique slightly since coming here. You want to shake him and say, don't be such an idiot, Elijah. What nonsense are you talking about? If only a quick slap and a shake could sort these feelings out. Watch what God does. This is God's version of my slap and shake. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Hey, he rules the whole thing, government on all his shoulders. Don't worry about it. And they'll call him Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. The brilliance of these verses that we get a window on what a wonderful Counselor actually looks like. When God himself comes to Elijah in his shot perspective, when God himself comes to Elijah, who, who's about to believe lies. And when you believe lies, you align yourself with the wrong team. Honestly, it's not, it's not, well, but when you believe a lie, you align yourself with the wrong team. And Jesus says, be careful, because what you loose on earth gets loosed in the heavens. And, and Elijah's in real danger of believing the lie and aligning himself with the wrong team. And God comes with this prescription, and it's really deep and theological. Get some sleep, man. Shut up and get some sleep. Elijah was exhausted, needed rest. So do some of you. If you're not sleeping, it could be a sign that you're in trouble. No, it's not. I'm just tired. I'm, I'm not even tired. Well, if you're, I don't, I, I'm not sleeping because I don't need to sleep. No, 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 no. You're not sleeping because you're way past the need to sleep. Keep a baby up for 24 hours, then tell it to sleep. We're overtired sometimes, overexhausted, and we're not sleeping because our minds are going 100 miles an hour. You can burn the candle at both ends, but you're not as bright as you think, said my granddad. The truth is, you can burn the candle at both ends for a short while. That's the truth. You can do that. There are seasons. When we go full on, there are seasons of maximum stress, physically, emotionally, spiritual. If you want to see breakthrough in your life, you will not see it by sitting in a pew and rocking up once a week at some group somewhere. 
You will need to push. You'll need to stretch. You'll need to force yourself through some, through some, uh, some opposition of all kinds, metaphorical, physical, and the rest of it. But there are seasons. You cannot keep living like that without paying a heavy cost. That's why Jesus said, if you want to bear much fruit, what have you got to do? Abide. If you want to break through, if you want to push on to the next frontier, you've got to abide in Him. It comes out of rest in the full sense of that word. What's the Sabbath all about? When the pressure's on harvest time, remember last week, when the pressure's on it's harvest time, even then you've got to rest because it's not all about you and it's not all about uh, what you can achieve. You're not a superhero. It's about dependence on the living God. And it's easy to never take, hmm, very moving service. Yeah. <laughs> I remember once, <laughs> I grew up in this absolute chaotic church, right? And, um, and, I, and there was like a door sort of here, and there was this bloke's bike, and he parked his bike here. We were in a well-hard part of Cardiff, you know, well-hard. I'm the hard one round here now. And, and, and just outside, uh, and while he was pretty, we're watching this bike, because any minute someone's going to nick it. So literally, someone goes, the bike's gone. And like 80% of the congregation just leg it out the door, off down the street. And the guest preacher goes, ah, some very moving sermon today. I thought that was hilarious. I mean, just really funny. What's I talking about? Sorry? Abiding, sleeping, Elijah, that's it. Yeah. It's easy to go, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do the abiding, it's, I'm, I'm going to keep going. Do you know? I'll just keep going. You get to the, if this is the mentality, isn't it? you get, it's 10 miles to the services, hmm, perhaps we can go to the next one. When we get to the next one, can you hold on guys to the next one? I'm going to keep going. Because when, when I get married, it'll be a lot easier when I get married... So I'm going to keep going because it'll be way easier when the kids come. <laughs> and so you live with this illusion that you just keep going and it'll be fine one day. It won't be fine. You've got to stop. When I'm retired, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> when I'm dead, yeah, okay. Elijah hit the wall. And he needed to sleep. Secondly, God's prescription for Elijah. Get some food. Almost everything God does involves food. It's brilliant, isn't it? All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down uh, again. Like sleep, if you're not eating well, could be a sign that you're in trouble. If you're eating badly, snacking, eating too much, comfort eating. It's a sign you're in trouble. Had Elijah missed a meal or two, not eaten properly for days? You can do that for a period. You can fast for 40 days if you like. No? No, Tiger? You can. But you can't do that all of the time. So God comes in his grace and love to Elijah. He says, hey, let's get the basics get going again, shall we? Have you ever got your life in a pickle that the basics have gone out the window? Let's get the basics going again. Let's, let's start eating and sleeping. 
Those are two brilliant questions to ask someone. You sleeping well? You eating well? Brilliant questions. Thirdly, God gave Elijah space. God gave Elijah space. God sent him on a journey that would take 40 days by himself. Now, we know that Elijah is a super sprinter in the spirit, don't we? We learned that from the last. So, so, so it didn't need to take 40 days, but God gave him space or solace. He could have run there or been transported there, but it was the journey for now, not just the destination, that was really important. We all need space. We all need space. We all need space, introverts and extroverts, we all need space for our well-being. Very early, while it was still dark, some other person who didn't impact the world very much got up and went to a lonely place. So Elijah's alone with his thoughts. Probably for the first time in a long time, he's got time to think, to process to reflect, to let his head and his heart begin to reconnect. Oh, welcome back. It wasn't that bad, was it? (laughs) And on that journey, something really important happens, just like it does for us when we take space and time to reflect. Is that what's really going on begins to rise in our hearts. It's why some of us sometimes choose not to create that space. The last thing you want to do is sit and think. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You'd much rather keep busy. I'd much rather keep my mind whirling with all sorts of nonsense because I don't want to think. I don't want to stop. I'm afraid of what's inside that might surface. And because... We choose then not to stop, not to think, not to process, not to reflect. Because we choose to keep going, to keep going, it becomes harder and harder to stop and think. It becomes harder to reflect. It becomes harder and harder to rest. And so we can't settle and we can't be alone with ourselves. And, and all of those things that should bring us solace and should be restorative become nightmare scenarios that we avoid at all costs. Some of us here will find it really difficult just to sit and do nothing for five minutes. It's about 15 seconds. Others of you have no trouble. And that's wrong for other reasons. If we can't create space either physically cannot do it or we choose not to do it, I guarantee we are incubating ill health. Guarantee. We are incubating ill health. Space or solace is part of God's prescription, part of God's rhythm, abiding and breakthrough, abiding and fruit, resting and working, reflecting and doing, Processing and kairos, part of the rhythm of life. Solace becomes an unavoidable gateway back into greener pasture. 
And the doorway is there in our lives, or the gateway is there, but we don't want to stop. I'll just keep going. A little bit more, and a little bit more. And it's not easy to stop, and to allow your heart and your head to connect, to stop and to begin to process things that perhaps you haven't looked at for a long time, or never looked at at all. It's not easy But God was not in a rush. And so God gave him space on the journey. But he was sending him somewhere. He was on a journey somewhere. Where was God sending him and why? He got up, ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled for 40 days, 40 nights, until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. God leads Elijah to the place where he will connect with God's presence. God's prescription for Elijah involves his presence. Mount Horeb was probably, almost certainly, the mountain where uh, Moses had met God face to face. Pretty cool thing. And, And Elijah takes himself under the Spirit back to that place where he knows he can meet with God. Where do you know that you can meet with God. It might not be in a church. It probably isn't in a church, although you do meet him at church, for sure. But where do you go to meet with God? For Elijah, he goes back to this mountain. It could be an activity that enables you to just unfurl and connect with God. It could be a hobby. It could be music, listening, playing, singing, music, whatever. What is it that enables you to begin to connect with God again? It's a journey God takes him on back to his presence. And there, in God's presence, there once he gets back, not before, once he gets back, to Mount Horeb, once he gets back to the place where he can meet with God, God begins to deal with him. And like a brilliant mentor, like an exceptional coach, like a wonderful counselor, like a really intuitive spiritual guide, God begins to open Elijah up. It's time to face the issue. God's prescription for Elijah is to address the issue, not to ignore it. And so God asks Elijah a question, a brilliant question, an open question, a question that begins if Elijah is willing to lift the lid on what's going on in his world. Elijah, what are you doing here? God knew, didn't he, what Elijah was doing there. God's not going, I'm totally foxed by what Elijah's up to now. I'll have to ask him what he's up to. Come on, Elijah, talk about it with me. What are you doing here? what's, What's the story? There is few things more important than beginning to articulate what's going on in your inner world. To get in touch with what's real for you. The trouble is, when we feel a bit better, we don't want to do that. 
Because we don't want to lift the lid because we don't want to look at what's inside. And so often we might get some of our, our, our mojo back. We might sleep a bit. We might rest a bit. Sometimes we might take some pills for a bit. We might do a whole load of things for a bit and we feel a bit better. Right then, God, I'm a bit better now. What's next on the agenda? And God says, no, 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 hang on, no, 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 hang on a minute. Let's look at the issue. Let's look at the issue. But at that point, people tune out. They go, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. It was just a blip, God, sorry. Just, just a blip, just, a, just a out of the blue, no idea where, what, or why. Just a, let's get on with some stuff. Where are you sending me next? God says, no, what, what are you doing here, Elijah? I don't, I don't want to talk about it, God. I, I don't want, it's, it's over. I've slept, I've eaten, I've walked. I, I'm cool. Let's, I, no, no, no. Let's, let's get, God, let's get going again. What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah in God's presence begins to open up his heart. This is prayer ministry right in the heart of the Bible. I'm not saying you have to have prayer ministry to open up an issue in God's presence, but that's what prayer ministry is, and that's what we do in countless different ways. That's what all of us need to do to grow. We open up our lives in God's presence. And Elijah uh, responds, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Wants to beef himself up, doesn't he? We all like that, don't we? God, I've been your best person. Don't have to worry about me. not so perky anymore, are we? The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. This is brilliant, because Elijah starts speaking it out. What Elijah could have said, no, I'm not talking about this. I'm not dealing with this. But Elijah goes, no, no, okay, I'll begin to explore this. I I am this, but but now I'm this. And some of what Elijah says is true. Some of what he says isn't true, but it feels as though it's true to Elijah. You've got some things that you feel are true, but up there you know they're not. He goes... I'm the only one left. I'm all alone. No one loves me. It's all down to me. I'm the only one in this church that does anything. I'm a... a, 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 a. You can hear it, kind of pity party. Here we go. We know there's 7,000 others, says before the end of the chapter. But he's perspective. I'm all on my own. It's all too alone. That's how he feels. Don't knock how he feels. Because how you feel is pretty real, isn't it? But it isn't the truth. But it isn't the truth. Let's step back for a minute. What triggered this whole episode? Jezebel, the king's evil wife, had sent a message. Verse 1 and 2. You can read it here. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. That's on Mount Carmel. And how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. I'm going to kill you. Why did that tip Elijah over the edge? Given all that had gone on before. It's not as if Elijah had not seen God's miraculous power. 
It's not as if Elijah didn't know that God was in control. It's not as if Elijah didn't know, if I can handle uh, 400 or 300, whatever it was, prophets of Baal, I can probably sort this woman out in his name as well. Just a woman after all. Now in that culture, it was like that. So take your hiss back, please. Apologize. Because that's the con, that's what it would have, you know, why, why does this woman just overwhelm him? Well, the Bible's always got a backstory here, there, and everywhere. There's always another storyline weaving its way through the scriptures. The scriptures are brilliant. Read them, absolutely marvelous. Verse 31 of chapter 17, we read Ahab was an awful king, he did all kinds of awful things, and he married Jezebel. Uh huh. Trying to tell us. It never says that about a king normally, because wives aren't that important, all due respect, in those days. So Ahab did all this bad stuff, and he married Jezebel. So you go, what's that there for? What's the backstory? What's going on here? And we can see, oh, through these chapters, Jezebel is in the background pulling the strings. Hard to imagine a woman in the background pulling strings. I know that, but it's here in the Bible. That was a bit below the belt, wasn't it? But Elijah never meets her. And this is important. Elijah confronts Ahab. Elijah confronts and challenges the lack of provision. Elijah confronts the situation with the dead boy. Elijah confronts the prophets of Baal. Elijah confronts the issue for lack of rain. But he's never confronted Jezebel. Jezebel's hatred for him has always been there, but Elijah has been able to keep it in the background. I'll just not think too much about that. I'll just not focus on that too much. I'll just keep that in the background there somewhere. If I don't think about it, I don't deal with it. His fear of her is undealt with. Now, where are we? Chapter 19. He's low. He's exhausted. He's really vulnerable after a breakthrough. Really spiritually vulnerable. The enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. And wham! This issue that's been in the background, this undealt with thing, comes washed right to the fore, like an oncoming train. Suddenly, something that's always been there, that he's been able to, to ignore it, to keep himself busy, to keep it out of the way, whoosh, it's there, overwhelming, bigger and more powerful than ever. And smack, before even Elijah realizes it, it's hit him, and he sits dejected and alone. Something that he hadn't dealt with. I have a day job as well. And in that job, week by week, I see that happening with lots of people. I say that to be reassuring. Because when it happens, it feels like life is falling apart. It feels like when that happens, it feels like everything's gone wrong. It feels like everything I did in the past seems rubbish and useless. Like Elijah was saying, I'm not even as good as my ancestors. And yet he'd done all this marvelous stuff for God. When this happens, it does not mean that you haven't achieved anything. It does not mean that you're a rubbish Christian. It does not mean that everything you've done for God up until now doesn't count. It does mean there's an issue to deal with. And God, in his sovereignty, is lifting the lid to deal with the issue. Hallelujah. It's time to lift the lid. And, and you're afraid if you're Elijah to lift the lid because what if, what if, if, if I'm honest, what, what if I lift the lid and I get it all out and I, I can't fix it, I can't sort it. It feels overwhelming to me. 
Jezebel might be one woman, but she's going to kill me. And I believe she's going to kill me. And I believe I'm all on my own. And I believe that the God that used to be able to protect me somehow has got his hands tied behind his back and doesn't seem to care anymore. And he doesn't seem to know what's happening. The truth is, as you open up your life, there is a gentle whisper just for you. Isn't that beautiful? God's prescription for Elijah His gentle whisper. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle, gentle whisper. As you lift the lid, God has a whisper just for you. And I love what it says. Elijah stepped out to the mouth of the cave, wrapped himself up, embraced himself to receive what God would say. There is a gentle whisper for you. It's not your fault. Or I've always loved you. Or you're my precious Child, I can touch this deepest pain. I can forgive what you think is so dark and unforgivable. I will always provide for you. I will never leave you. Nothing, not even this right now, whatever it is, can snatch you out of my hands. Don't be afraid. You are mine. And a million other brilliant things that God can say into our lives. A gentle whisper just for you. And do you know when God speaks? Things happen. God's got to be really careful what he says. You know that, don't you? He said, whoop, let's have some light. Boom, the sun was there. Whoop, golly. Took me by surprise. In fact, Isaiah's sort of prophesying about it, thinking God's word doesn't go back empty. It just does stuff. Animals, whoosh. Fish teeming in the sea, wham, everywhere. When God speaks in a gentle whisper, it is the most powerful thing In the world, what a tremendous paradox. I need God's gentle whisper. Men and women do not live on bread alone, but on every gentle whisper that comes from the mouth of God. Of God. And finally... God's prescription for Elijah is that he's recommissioned. It's brilliant. He thought he was useless. And God says, whoa, hang about. We've got all this stuff still to do. We are saved people, rescued, healed, and we are sent people. And when God does a, takes us through a series of saving us, which is what he was doing with Elijah, taking him through a period of healing and renewal and restoration, once he saves us, And he sends us. And the sending is as much part of the saving as the saving is of the sending. The two things go 
together. Got to walk out what God does in our lives. Elijah, I still believe in you. Let's move on together. And notice, notice that God slips this in. Um, the, the, the bit about, um, sorry, it's not verse 1 and 2, is it? It's verse a lot more than that. Um, uh, go back the way you came. Yeah, I reserved 7,000 in Israel. So when you walk out the truth, what's God doing? He's challenging Elijah. He says, Elijah, you've got to face the truth. You're not on your own. You're not on it. You felt all abandoned. You've got to, you've got to rethink what you thought was true. And if you're going to walk in the next stage of the journey God has for you, if you're going to hold on to the breakthrough that God has given you, it has to be based on more truth than before. You with me? So you you not only have to hear the truth, you have to start living by it. I'm going to find those 7,000. Never am I again am I going to say I'm on my own because it is not true. And I'm going to live in the light and I'm going to live in the truth. We're saved, rescued, and we're sent to represent the king. I think there are four things that I want you to think about. For some of you, just getting back to basics was where God was touching you. That's where God was speaking. It's all got out of kilter. It's all got a little bit out of control. Everything's got lost in the rush of it all. Sleeping, eating, and space. I've got to get that sorted. Others of you were thinking, well, actually, it's time to take that lid off. I, I, I want to rush on with God. I, when, when God comes this morning and says, hey, what are you doing in this place, metaphorically, in this season of your life, in this situation, uh, and you're going like Elijah was probably tempted to do, let's not talk about it, God, let's move on. Let's move on. I, I, look, I'll try much harder next time. Let's move on. It was just a blip. Not, not really part of who I am. Just came out of nowhere. We can, we can forget all about it. We just keep going. Uh, and maybe today God's saying, no, 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 come on. What, why are you? What, why are you where you are? Let's lift the lid together. And remember, remember God did that for Elijah when he was in his presence. This is not, I'm lifting the lid and it's all chaos. This is in the presence of the sovereign, living, almighty God who knows you in and through, who knows everything about you, who loves you utterly, completely. This is a, this is a safe, secure, do, do you know, I, I, I don't want to go to that surgeon because they don't know very much and they haven't pre- This is the sovereign physician of the universe. He says, come on, let's lift the lid. And then as of you feel like the lid's been lifted and it's all off everywhere. And your guts are spilling out all over the place. And today's the day for God's gentle whisper. Amen? Today's the day you want to hear God speak decisively and irrevocably into your situation. And then lastly, some of you are the angel. Some of you are the angel. You're alongside somebody. You're walking a journey with somebody. And God wants to give you today fresh vision, fresh strength, fresh energy, fresh perspective for the journey. Being an angel can be exhausting, can't it? And God sent an angel. And in someone else's life, God sent you. And God wants to reaffirm you, recommission you, re-strengthen you in that place.